Hey, everybody. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 13 of the Golf Life Alberta Podcast. I'm your host, Leah Sneffen, here with my co-host, Ryan O'Neill. How are you, Neeler? I'm very good, Leah. Thank you so much. How about yourself? Pretty good. Happy that uh, third winter is almost over. Uh, depending on if you're a Game of Thrones fan or not, winter is still technically a thing as well. I'm not too sure if you are a Thrones fan. I've literally never watched an episode. <laughs> that's like been the thing this past three weeks. So um, I know you keep tweeting gifs about it and I don't understand. I don't get it. Well, um, winter is still very much a thing in, in Game of Thrones land. So, um, But we're talking about golf here. And uh, <laughs> yes. Yes, I'm excited that uh, we were actually going to enjoy some spring weather here in Edmonton, at least. I don't know what it's like for you, a little more south, or even in Calgary. Uh, well, I don't know what Calgary's like. Over where I live in the middle of nowhere, we've still got a fair amount of snow. Uh, my course is still closed, so yeah. Not- I'm actually contemplating golfing in the near future here, which is, I think, a good sign. It's a, it's a good sign for me. I'm actually excited to go out and play. So the golf courses are actually maybe good enough for you to play now? Yeah. Um, they are worthy is how we'll put that. They are worthy. Actually, everything is uh, looking a little greener after this snow has melted. Have you noticed that in Edmonton? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, and, you, like, this is not golf-related at all, but, like, even the street cleaners are coming out and making everything a little less grungy, so it actually looks like spring is well on its way and it's not that in between weird you know phase ugly duckling of winter to spring it's actually starting to yeah round out for golf season excellent um okay well let's get into it did you watch any of the wells fargo this past week it was the most golf i've probably watched since the masters and i think this maybe speaks to how much I had been paying attention, but I, I have no idea who won the last two events and I'm going to straight up say it that um, this weekend was potentially the most compelling storyline we've had in quite some time. Well, since Tiger. Okay. I, I'm going to also admit, well, I've been camping and on a golf trip and stuff. So I also haven't really watched golf since the masters myself. Um, what, what was so compelling about this weekend? Uh, first time winner. Um, that's, I think, I think that's a big, big story now in, in today's PGA tours. Um, Max Holman, uh, I'm going to call him a journeyman player on tour, uh, won this weekend, uh, at the Wells Fargo, um, at Quail Hollow, a, a major championship esque golf course. And he won it against Sergio JR, um, uh, Jason Duffner, Rory McIlroy, all major champions. So, it's not like this was a, a low key event. He did it against he did it against a great golf course and a great field. Yeah, and by three it wasn't even close. Yeah, I mean he I think it was a three way tie going into, into Sunday and he did all that he needed to do and everyone kind of just had a tough time out there, it seemed like and uh it was weird because, I mean, for as much as I watched that final round, he did not look nervous one bit. He was laser focused and and uh, his, his short game was outstanding and sinking, you know, par putt after par putt. It was like he had been there before. Well, 
I wanted to learn a little bit more about Max and what I found out is he's apparently one of the funniest players on tour. Have you seen some of the tweets that he's put out there? So I've been following him, I'll say for like a year. And the only reason that is, is because of the no laying up guys, their friends with Max and um, their sort of love for the web.com tour and, uh, it kind of made for it seemed like a perfect relationship um, because Max is so outgoing and he yeah, his his Twitter account is uh, is definitely a must follow if you aren't following it already. Well, I pulled out a few of my favorite tweets that you know uh, may or may not be appropriate for public consumption, but I'm going to read them anyways. You ready for this? Yeah, let's go. Okay. Had a few caddies hit me up recently, hoping to team up. They heard they usually get the weekends off, which is apparently a great selling point. I love self-deprecating humor, personally. I think it's... Oh, like, yeah. If you don't take yourself too seriously, I mean, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> um, I think we can all relate to this one. The fact that Tiger Woods occasionally struggles to make putts with his perfect-looking stroke proves that golf is the dumbest thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, here's the inappropriate one. Shinnecock is going to need to be tested for an STD after screwing all of these players this afternoon. <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming that was during the U.S. Open uh, last year? Was it last yeah, year? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I can't remember yeah. the date now, but yeah, I think so. Uh, this one, I'm going to assume he was watching a basketball game. Uh, this game has more threes than a dive bar on a Wednesday night. <laughs> Ooh, Wednesday night's like your karaoke nights. And that's, I, I like me some karaoke, so I don't know if I, I'd be a, a three. I might be offended by that tweet a little bit. Well, that's all right. If you consider yourself a three, then I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing. And then um, he actually didn't even use words when he won on Sunday. Uh, he just tweeted a gif, which was of Michael Jordan running down the court, just shrugging. Now his Twitter handle is Max Homer at Max Homa Golf or whatever it is twenty three. So I'm assuming he's a big Jordan fan. Um, I don't know if he's from the area. I think we obviously have to do a little more research on that. But uh, yeah, that's that's kind of a mic drop. Uh, one would say. Yeah, yeah. Well, clearly, yeah, big basketball fan, and uh, I thought that was pretty funny. So do you do you know of kind of whole Max's backstory of kind of like you know, cause they were talking about it all day on Sunday about how he's, you know, come from, you know, the lowest of lows and things like that. I, I actually, heard any, no, I didn't watch any golf on the weekend. I was busy oh, okay. Marie condoing my house. Uh, right. Yeah. Spring cleaning. <laughs> um, I'll quickly run through kind of that stuff that I read and it's actually a really great story. So um, 28, like I said, and I think this kind of will define him as that journeyman golfer, but um won the NCAA championship in 2013 with Cal Berkeley. So that's a pretty good way to enter your uh, professional career. He beat John Ram, um, who's, you know, a pretty half decent player nowadays. Um, teamed up with JT at, at a Walker cup that same year. Um, had major success on that team. And then, uh, after one year on the web, he was on tour with like the same sort of tour trajectory as, as Justin Thomas. Amazing. Um, 
second year though is kind of where things went a little crazy. He missed 15 of 17 cuts and only made $18,000. That's not going to get the job done. (laughs) Um, But yeah, and after that, pretty much the, the all the articles I was reading, it was just like he he could not get off the tee and was like dead last in, in driving accuracy and just could not hit a fairway for uh, to save his life basically. So that'd be a tough tough feeling to have on the PGA Tour or even the Web dot com um, and trying yeah trying to make it big considering you were supposed to be or maybe supposed to be one of those guys that. JT has sort of evolved into. Yeah, that's true. Very so, interesting path. Yeah, so I mean, up into, so I guess I'll fast forward just a little bit here. But eight months ago, he was ranked 1282 in the world. Um, he was top 400 coming into this week, and and after the win, he's up at 102. So um, yeah, crazy last eight months for him. He uh, just made the cut at his at the Portland Open uh, in the second round of the Web.com's event there, and uh, he had to do that by making four straight birdies. And if he didn't do that, he was going back to Q School just to keep his web status. So four holes pretty much defined kind of where he was last. I think that's August is when that tournament happens, and where he is now. Like that's that's pretty crazy if you ask me. Keep it your dreams, boys and girls. Yeah, no kidding. That's they can if, come true. If that's a success story or a you know keep on working hard story, that's that's yeah, that's the stuff right there. Yeah, for sure. And just to round out sort of all the um, golf from the weekend, because I feel that we kind of ignore the other tours a little bit. I think we got to do a little bit better to give these uh, um, outstanding professionals a little more recognition, but. Um, we had Scott McCarron on the Champions Tour win the Insperity Invitational. I'm pretty sure he's a Shaw Charity Classic winner, is he not? I believe so. I think okay, more so than once, too. Yeah, I, I think he like he's barely like turned 50. I could be wrong here, but he's already got 10 wins on the Champions Tour, so he's he's kind of a big deal on the old guys tour. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, LPGA Mediheel winner was C. Sai C. Young Kim. Uh, she won in a playoff, um, and then wrapping out on the uh, wrapping up on the European Tour, uh, another playoff. Uh, we had Miko Korhonen. Apologies to these names and me trying to say them, but uh, uh, he won the Volvo China Open. So there's all our winners from this year. A little un- unconventional, maybe other than Scott McCarron, but some different winners. Yeah, bravo, everybody. Okay, so each week we're kind of talking about our favorite things that we saw in golf on social media. I kind of mentioned mine already with Max Homa's tweets. Ryan, did you see anything in the past week here that uh, sparked your interest? Both of the things I'm going to mention here are uh, from today, actually. And one of them, I retweeted on the Golf Life Alberta Twitter page. It's absolutely amazing. It's Charles Barkley, famous basketball player, TV analyst on NBA on TNT or whatever the heck it is. <laughs> Charles Barkley, obviously famous for his golf swing and not because it's good. Um, and he was on uh, the golf channel show, the Haney project or whatever it was called from way back when mm-hmm. um, they shot tracered him while he was playing golf and the, <laughs> the swing mixed with the direction of the tracers are 
fantastic. And it just makes me think more amateurs need to be shot tracer because it was so funny just listening to him react to the shots and then seeing where the ball was going. Oh, it cracked me up. I felt like the lines that, that like they couldn't even keep up with the ball. They're going so far out of frame. Yeah, that the lines were were gone like halfway into its uh, into its ball flight. <laughs> oh my god, so funny. Which which makes me think maybe you should somehow set up a, a a shot tracer on the AGT. Maybe when you're sitting on one of the holes. I don't know. I think you make for good some good content. Well, I mean, I I actually last year was the first year I didn't do it, but um, for the last six years I have actually videoed literally every single person's first tee shot unless it was a shotgun so i could kind of probably put together some stuff well may, only maybe if like you being there and them knowing it's a shot tracer you know really maybe gets the nerves going a little bit and then the result is you know similar to our friend charles barkley because i mean if it's if the guys are striping it which a lot of guys on the uh, agt um are doing eh, it's not as fun but if you get some first team nerves when i announce their name yeah exactly they're kind of shaking yeah it could be it could make for some some funny results so well um i've got thousands of them so i'll have to look through that and and many of them are very bad Okay, then I, then it could be worth our time to watch them. <laughs> okay, um, and then the other thing, a uh, little maybe more serious, but uh, the big cat, Tiger Woods, received the Presidential Medal of Freedom today from President Donald Trump. Huh. He is the fourth golfer uh, to win the medal. Um, any guesses on who you think are the previous winners? I may have already seen it, but uh, Jack is one. Mm-hmm. Arnold. Yeah. And I totally forget who the fourth. So the other guy, his name's Charles Sifford, and he was the first African American uh, to play on the PGA Tour. So Tiger, I think, is joining a pretty uh, illustrious group of of individuals there to receive that award. Did he? How do I put this without everyone getting mad at me? Do we think Tiger Woods deserved to get the Presidential Medal of Freedom at, like right <laughs> at this point in time? <laughs> it's funny that you said it like that because we'll just uh, let's let's describe to the people here what the what the medal is. It's an award bestowed by the President of the United States, uh, as we kind of already guessed. Uh, the Medal of Freedom and the uh, is one of the highest civilian awards of the United States. It recognizes people who have made an event, especially, oh God, how do I say this word? Merit, meridio. Oh my God. And a really great contribution to the security or national interests of the United States, world peace, cultural or other significant public or private endeavors. So it's a pretty big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, for those that remember kind of when Barack famously gave it to Ellen and gave it to Joe Biden and all the, all the memes that sort of uh, came from that. And, you know, Barack's bro bromance or, you know, serious friendship with Joe Biden. And then Ellen's obviously Ellen. So some very sentimental um, ceremonies there. And then it's funny because yeah, hot take does Tiger Woods deserve this medal. It seems kind of funny that the, um, the track records for both Trump and Tiger are a little similar. 
soaked in scandal. And uh, maybe it only makes sense that, that Trump is giving him that medal. But either way, I think we have to say congrats and, and recognize that that's a big deal. But um, yeah. Congratulations, Tiger, on the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Next up, we have Chip Shots brought to you by Callaway Golf. Okay, Ryan, I don't know if you heard this being up in the Edmonton area. Um, a private club in Calgary ceased operations on May 1st. It was all over the golf Twitter, so I was um, very aware of, of kind of what happened. Crazy. Um, so there's been rumblings for quite some time. Uh, Bears Paw Country Club in uh, northwest Calgary uh, – it started building a new clubhouse uh, a while ago. Uh, things were starting to kind of spiral out of control. And um, yeah, they made this formal announcement on May 1st. Man, it's it's hard news to take. Personally for me, uh, you know, I was friends with a lot of people that worked there. And so for me, that was kind of my biggest hit is, man, so many of my friends that have been so loyal to that golf course for so long. My brother, when he was in the PGM program, uh, professional golf management, uh, at the when he was in his summers in Lethbridge College, worked there as well. Uh, and some guys, man, that was like 2003. And there's still some guys that are working there from when he worked there back in the day. That's how long some of these people have been there. And now all of a sudden, boom, they don't have a job. Um, so long and the short of it, building a new clubhouse went significantly over budget. Um, I looked around and, and saw some people who were claiming to be members that were commenting on some uh, news uh, articles that basically said, um, number one, there was no general contractor for the project. Uh, the board figured they could manage it themselves. And then number two, the project was awarded, I guess, to a company who is in way over its head. Uh, never done a project of that scope before. So those things combined kind of caused everything to spiral out of control. I believe there was three cash calls in total. Um, after the first one, some members dropped off. After the second one, some more members dropped off. Third one, not enough people were willing to ante up the money, uh, which was last week. And then this week, they didn't have enough to move forward at all. So we've got, you know, 400 plus members who have actually paid their 2019 membership fees, who don't get that money back and have nowhere to golf now for the year. And approximately 80 staff members without a job. So very unfortunate for so many people involved. We'll be keeping tabs on this story. I don't feel like this is the end of it. I feel like someone's going to swoop in and save the day. I don't know who or when or what's going to happen, but we'll make sure as soon as we hear any news, we will update you guys with any changes. Still in the Calgary area, Windmill Golf owner Barry Ellert um, and the new anticipated Nicholson National Golf Club are offering free golf in 2019 while fundraising for PrEP, which is a Calgary charity who supports children with Down syndrome. Barry has, I believe she's an eight-year-old daughter with Down syndrome, and so he's a big uh, proponent. Is that the right word? 
opponent? Yeah, that works. Yeah. Okay. Um, for raising awareness and uh, obviously money for uh, children with Down syndrome. So this is near and dear to his heart. So it'll be a four hole stretch and he's allowing anybody. You don't have to be, you don't have to have bought in as a member. Anybody can go play these four holes in 2019 at Mickelson national. You just need to head to the Mickelson national website Register with your email and make sure you activate your offer. Are you going to try and do that, Ryan? I mean, as a left-handed golfer, I feel I have to at least get a glimpse of, you know, fellow, well, team, it's pretty much the team lefty ambassador, Phil Mickelson, and his, and his golf club, and especially because it's in Alberta. So I'm going to, yeah, definitely all over that. Um, that's really exciting stuff. Yes. And... You know, we've been doing this podcast now. It's our second season, our, what, 13th episode. So we're a year and a half into this. Uh, this got started because we needed, or we felt like we needed some more uh, local content. And especially this year, you know, you're re-gearing your Kneeler Nose articles to more local Alberta-based content. Um, and, and more people obviously are loving it, and more people want more local content. We actually have two radio shows on sports radio that have started their own shows uh both in edmonton and in calgary uh which is awesome so we've got murray mccourt and curtis stock who have started the yeg golf show on tsn 1260 in edmonton uh that started this past sunday and also i just actually found out uh scrolling through linkedin that Reese Royer, who is from the Shaw Charity Classic organization, and Ryan Pinder uh, from Sportsnet 960 have also started a Calgary golf show on Saturdays. Uh, they just finished their second episode. So, so much fun to have more local content and really looking forward to what these guys bring to sports radio and local golf. We should put out a challenge, Leah, you and I versus Murray and Curtis and versus Reese and other Ryan to see who's the best local media golf duo out there on the golf course. <laughs> I love it. Do you think they'll allow a six them out there though? Yeah, it, I mean, we're I mean, such high some- caliber players <laughs> in Alberta now. I mean, of course they do. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Okay. You hear that Murray, Curtis, Reese and Ryan, you've been challenged. So is this going to be like a team event? We'll figure out a format. I, I think, yes, it'd have to be a I was going to say, you don't want me to be your teammate. We tried to be teammates in Phoenix, and we didn't end up winning that one, did we? It was it was our first sort of, you know, match together, and we'll we'll just say we took it easy on our opponents. So um, that wouldn't be the case against, uh, you know, these other fine gentlemen. Um, we would, uh, we would uh, have no mercy. No mercy. See, you know what? I just thought we could also – Maybe try and get Meg and Mark from the Pro-Am Golf Show in Edmonton as well. Well, look at that. And then we got eight players, eight two players. foursomes. Okay, this is great. I Ooh. love where this is going. This is, this is great. And one last thing. Unfortunately, Jacqueline Lee is out this weekend due to a wrist injury, but that's okay. We will cheer on the rest of our fellow Canadians and Jacqueline. Hopefully you get healed up soon and we will see you back out on tour. Uh, Jacqueline finished her last class uh, in in, uh, college now, so she is full-time LPGA tour now. We'll spend a little more time dedicated to golf and golf only. That means uh, she's going to be jumping up the leaderboard. Yes, for sure. 
And that was Chip Shots, brought to you by Callaway Golf. Okay, Ryan. It's rules time. It's been, I feel like it's been a really long time since we've talked rules. Rules time usually means it's quiz Ryan time on his lack of knowledge on, on the golf rules. So you are correct. What, what, <laughs> what do you got for me today? Okay. I want to talk about OB, out of bounds. Oh, great. Here's your, tw- here's your test for today. Okay. uh, So say it's actually one of those golf courses that actually spray paints their lines everywhere. Okay. If your golf ball is sitting on the line, but it's kind of like half on the line and half in bounds, is it considered in bounds or out of bounds? Oh man. Uh, I'll say it's on the line. It's out of bounds. Incorrect. Fail. If any part of the ball is still inbound, then it is in play. Um, you know, in, inbounds is touching like grass that is, or weeds that is inbounds, or like the line. You know, you know. I'm just thinking of hockey. The circumference uh, of the ball, yeah, is is in is over the paint in play. Yeah, you're in play. Okay. Now, what if the ball is completely on the line? Uh, like less than a hole in one but anyways we have a rule for this what if it is on the line then out of bounds correct there you go see one out of two isn't bad well i i got a little bit of a teach from you helping out on my sort of question that i asked after the first one so okay um, I, i cheated we'll say i cheated you cheated okay um so Here's a new local rule for stroke and distance on a lost or out of bounds ball. Um, local rule means that it needs to be adapt, uh, sorry, adopted by the rules committee or by the golf course. Um, this is not meant for high caliber play or competition or anything like that. I think it's just meant for those people who, you know, maybe even men's league or something. People that are obviously playing by the rules enough to invoke a rule like this right this is new and i think this is crazy and i'm not putting this in play in the agt i'm sorry i just i can't can't and we already did the forest <laughs> fescue lateral which i think is good enough so if your ball is lost or ob you can now take this is similar we've talked before about the new bunker rule where you can take a two-stroke penalty and pull it out of the bunker okay yep yeah. And as much as someone like me would enjoy that, I still don't think that's like, right. I don't think that's yeah, golf. Bunkers are there for a reason. It's going to be tough to get out. You don't need, to, you don't get to cheat yeah. and, and take it out. Okay, <laughs> I agree. Listen to this one. So you hit okay. your ball OB, like yeah. off the tee or something. You yeah. can now take a two stroke penalty and go into the fairway. It's it's straight up fairway. It's not like two clubs from point of entry or anything nope. like that. Nope. So you go to your point of entry. Um, now, and a, and a lot of people get this wrong, especially on the AGT. I have to re-explain this multiple times. So all of these things are from where your ball cross the 
even if it's only an imaginary line, but where your ball crossed the line into that hazard or into that OB, not where you think it ended up, not where you think it rolled to 30 yeah, yards ahead, yeah, yeah. where it crossed the line. So right. then from there, where you feel that it crossed the line and your competitors agree, you can then walk a straight line, obviously no nearer to the hole, out to the fairway and take your two club lengths from the edge of the fairway. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> now, How is okay. that for a rule? Oh boy. So you're saying it has to be adopted by the club. It is. Yeah. It is considered a local rule. So it needs to be adopted in order to be in play. But so, so would you as AGT Prez Leah no. Trump, sorry, uh, would you Trump if say, oh, you know, if, Stony if, Plain had that rule in play, would you trump it as president of Alberta Golf Tour that that rule is not something that we take into consideration? That's a good question. Um, typically, that is a very good question because typically I do just adopt all golf courses, local rules, because I feel that they've implemented them for a reason. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that is a good question. I'm going to have to table that one because I don't know the answer to that yet. Well, something to think about. I got to put some work on your, uh, on your plate. Yeah. Uh, Cause I need more of that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So I, I have two questions about the whole OB thing. Um, yeah. So you talked about if the lines are actually painted, what happens if it's on the line? Um, now, if, the, if, if there's no lines, you just have to sort of make an imaginary one between the two white stakes and, and then determine if it's out of bounds? Yeah, that's correct. So um, uh, I can't remember who was in the group. We had a tournament at Cottonwood a few years back. And on the ninth hole, um, kind of halfway up, uh, halfway up the hole on the left-hand side, there is OB. Um, it's kind of an environmental area. The river is is right there. And that's, I think, where some flooding happened and stuff like that. The line had not been painted, but there was obviously white posts. Um, now, the white posts were, like, super staggered. So what one would, you know, maybe consider the imaginary OB line was was like a a cartoon lightning rod like right. it's like not a straight line um unfortunately when there is no paint you do just go from post to post wherever your ball is in between post to post draw that imaginary line and that's that's your line and unfortunately we had a guy that was like an inch ob they had mm. they, their entire, I think the reason why I ended up going was because I got called out because it was so close and I kind of made that imaginary line and I said, okay, well, this is the way I see it. And they're like, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, that was the way the rest of us saw it too. We just wanted you to come and make the call and super unfortunate. Yeah, that's a tough one. Okay. And then back to if the line is painted, do we have to worry about grounding our club or anything in, in OB area? Or is that only for uh, well, uh, what, whatever the new term is, hazard area, penalty area? Or is that Well, you can't hit out of an OB area. Okay. So if it's online, but the circumference of the ball is in play, I can, I can ground my club, hit it, and it's fine. Yes. You just okay. I don't take your practice swings out of bounds because... Oh, ah, okay. All right. That's good to know. 
it's out of well and typically it's like usually actually not even in the cottonwood but like usually it's a fence or something like it's it's very clearly ob for a reason you probably couldn't take a practice swing if you wanted to leave ob alone it's it's ob for a reason it's someone else's property or it's you know what i mean like don't take your practice swing out of bounds take it maybe step four feet behind the ball and take your practice swings on kind of the same line but do not take your practice swings out of bounds well, what if my practice swings are like trying to, you know, clear some shrubbery or some junk out of the way? Like, I'm just trying to help myself out here. Cannot improve your life. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I get it. Just you know don't, don't hit it OB and just be a better golfer. Is what yeah. You're saying. yeah okay. Just be better. Play better. Yeah. Actually, that was yeah. another one of Max Homa's tweets. It was uh, a picture of, I think it was his hotel room kind of name tag at the Sony Open. And it had two M's in his last name. And he just tweeted a picture of it and just wrote, play better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people will know your last name if you play better. That's actually so funny. Yeah, I like that one. So that probably means if I, you know, whenever I get my 2019 AGT player bag tag or whatever, you'll on purposely put a third L in there or something. Yes. Max Holma's giving you a bad idea. Yes. Actually, we, well, you know what? It would only be fair because... Darren Krause would tell you that we did that to him last year. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's a, a co-host of the pod curse. Yes. Yes, it is. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right, you guys. Um, I wanted to add in a new little segment here. Uh, originally, uh, my son Tyler was going to write a blog but he's not a big fan of writing so he wanted actually to share his experiences on the podcast so I figured hey not bad I'm sure that there are some people out there who might be interested in hearing uh, kind of what it's like in the young uh, junior competitive field I guess and uh, he is only 11 so we aren't talking you know 14, 16, we're, we're not old enough or hitting it far enough yet to play in some bigger events, but nonetheless, there are still great events for his age group, and yeah, Tyler, welcome to the show. Thank you. So, we just got back from a pretty awesome camping trip in BC, and we got to play seven rounds of golf. I guess you got to play seven and a half. How were your first rounds of the season? Uh, they were good. I had, I started out on the season with a pretty crazy hook, I guess you'd call it. And I called my mom saying that I was almost ready to quit golf because it was so bad I just couldn't figure it out. And then I guess I just need to play golf with my mom because as soon as I started playing golf with my mom, I started hitting the ball straight and I started hitting good shots. Funny how that works. So were you happy with your scores? I was, yes. What was your highest score? 83, I want to say, 82. And your lowest? 76. Awesome. So you were obviously able to get things worked out with your swing. Uh, What was your mindset going in? You phoned me saying that you were hitting like a 70-yard hook. So how were you able to kind of straighten that out and and get past the struggles that you were facing before? Um, Honestly, she told me, Tips about what I learned last year to start hitting the ball straighter when I had the slice last year. Okay, can we just shout out Stu? 
Stu Kedon was an assistant at Kananaskis last year, unfortunately for us, uh, moved all the way back to Ontario. Stu, we miss you. Stu told Tyler, uh, actually I can can let Tyler explain here what the tip was because it was awesome and obviously if it fixes a 70-yard hook, maybe it might help you guys too. So what did Stu tell you? So we were on the range and... I was hitting the slice, and he said, swing for second base, like in baseball, so right down the middle. So on your follow-through, like, point at it as you're in the middle of your follow-through until you're finishing your swing, and that will usually, instead of coming around the ball to first base, which would be a hook for me because I'm a lefty, and then, or coming around to third base, which would be a slice for me. So once I started hitting down that second base, I started hitting the ball a lot straighter. Now, you have what most people would consider a gift. Um, I think that you've changed your mind on this finally. Um, You thought it was a curse. You have a natural draw with your swing, right? Uh, Yes, I do. You hated it. Last year, you were dead set on hitting a cut. Yes, I was. And we're over that now? Yeah. We're over it now. This is this is good, finally. Now, you, because of your draw, and because you're not trying to hit a cut like you were last year, uh, we had to actually change where you were aiming. Second base wasn't quite doing it for us, right? Yep, so uh, I started hitting it a little too far to the right now. And so we were like, aim for shortstop. So we, I started aiming for shortstop now. And aiming a little, like, just left of the fairway-ish, and it usually get me pretty close to the middle. Yeah, there you go. Now, we played, I talked about this on the last podcast, uh, Copper Point, Wildstone, Shadow Mountain, so Copper Point Ridge and Point Course, Radium Springs, Golden. Am I missing one? St. Eugene. Which of those courses had you not played before? In When I was heading into camping trip, uh, I thought I'd never played Wildstone, but I had, um, and I played every course except for Golden and Random Springs. So, out of the seven tracks that we got to play, which one was your favorite? Um, my favorite was Wildstone, but my best shots slash round was at St. Eugene. That was a miserable cold day of golf. It was still my best score. So. Yes. Um, now, speaking of your best score, yes. since you've started kicking everyone's butt on the golf course, um, originally, last year and prior, I had you playing off the same tees as me because you and I were hitting everything pretty much the exact same distance. I noticed this trip that you were starting to, actually, I noticed at the end of last year, starting to outdrive me and hit your irons further than me. Uh, by anywhere between 10 and 20 to 25 yards. So we pushed you back a set of tees. So what was it like uh, playing in that kind of 6,000 to 6,400 yard range for the first time? Um, the first round was kind of weird because uh, sometimes you'd be playing a combo and be on the same tees as Cody is sometimes, and that's kind of like, I wouldn't say intimidating, but nerve-wracking for me. And I was still only like maybe 30, 40 yards away from him. So that's when I realized that I was actually hitting it pretty far. And there was one par five, I think it was, and I hit a six iron from like 150. And mom's like, it's uphill, you know, and there's wind. And I was like, yeah. And I got it over the green and she was really surprised. 
You betcha. Uh, well, yeah, I think you absolutely kicked everyone's butt. Um, how many rounds out of the seven did you beat both of us? Six. <laughs> Hashtag humble brag. He just dabbed. <laughs> okay. Well, it was a fun week of golf, that was for sure, and uh, I think my days of beating my child on the golf course are over, so I'll stick to beating him. At home? <laughs> Thanks, Mom. Thank you. Anytime, anytime. I don't actually beat my child, you guys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, stay tuned. We will have Tyler back on the podcast to uh, talk about probably playing at Pine Hills and playing at Drayton. We'll try and actually get the Flickingers on. Flickingers, yes. Yeah. Sailor and Riker. Sailor and Riker. So he met Sailor down uh, last year at one of the drive, chip, and putt. First one in Washington. The second round. Um, she's from Rocky Mountain House, and her and her brother are both lefties as well and just started their own uh, clothing. Like, Apparel, yes, apparel company uh, called Lefties The Journey. So uh, we'll try and get them on and promote their stuff for them as well. And you are a member at Drayton again this year. Yeah, only $50 a year, you guys, for the junior, uh, like the youth version of the junior membership at Drayton. So if he plays one round there, it's paid for immediately, which is a great deal. Um, I love... I love that they do that because it makes that decision very easy for us. And what else? We'll talk about drive, chip, and putt when that gets going again. And uh, also the FCG Callaway World Junior Championship in Palm Desert. We are heading back there in July this year. So, uh, And AGT tournaments, Maple Leaf Junior Tour tournaments. And we'll just kind of keep you posted on, on what we end up doing. Thanks for joining us, Tyler. Thanks for having me, Mom. Now, do you have anything else for this week, Ryan? You got some articles um, going? I do. Yeah, I have an article ready to go, but I'm going to put it on the shelf because Sunday is a very important day, um, as you are aware. Uh, Mother's Day. <laughs> if you could have seen how big my eyes got, I was like, what do you, I'm aware of what? Why? What? What day is it? Oh shit! What day is it? Mother's Day. Yeah, I've only been hinting at that for like a week, Cody. That it's my first Mother's Day with two kids. There we go. So I mean, Cody's gonna have to step up his game. I'm gonna step up my game a little bit, and my uh, my article this coming Sunday will uh, play <gasps> tribute special to homage. Yes, tribute to my mother. Love it. Love it. Yeah, as if I'm not the favorite child already. I'll just add that in there uh, on Sunday. Oh, your poor sister. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, other than that, I, I know we got the Byron Nelson this week. Uh, I'll try and tune in a little bit. Uh, I got a pretty busy weekend, actually. But um, to be honest, even when we were talking last week about sort of getting ready for the uh, um, for the PGA, I totally forgot or didn't even realize that the Byron Nelson was in between Quail Hollow and and the PGA Championship so I overlook it uh, overlooked it and uh, I was wondering because yeah I was uh I was making the notes for the recording and I was expecting to see the PGA Championship coming up this weekend and it wasn't and I was like okay I have an extra week we don't need to make this a, a major podcast so that's fantastic 
All right. Well, we will uh, be sure to check out the articles. And um, yeah, I guess this is the last pod before Mother's Day. So um, everyone, do not leave your mothers alone on Mother's Day to go golf. Take her out. Take her out golfing, even if it's just for nine holes. Um, and celebrate your mothers. Check us out Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Golf Life AB and also the website at golflifeab.com. We will see you guys next week. <laughs>